Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This one is super interesting, and I think it's also very timely. It's a topic that I feel like you're going to be hearing more and more about. Uh, and I think we have like, the perfect person for this topic. So today we have Shay Brown on the show. He is a researcher, lecturer, speaker, and consultant in AI ethics, machine learning, and astrophysics with a focus on algorithmic auditing and AI governance. Uh, he has a doctorate of philosophy in astrophysics from the University of Minnesota. If you notice, I stumbled with algorithmic. That is almost a theme of this episode. It's very hard to say, and we definitely need to come up with an acronym for that. He is also a part of the technical standards board for the IEEE Global Initiative on Ethics, Autonomous, and Intelligent Systems, where he's helping develop P7003, the standard for algorithmic bias considerations. He is also the CEO of Babbel.ai. Babbel AI is a boutique consulting and audit firm focused on responsible AI. So they audit artificial intelligence. They're algorithmic, algorithm auditors. A couple of things that we hit on the show are the coolest thing that Shay has seen with ChatGPT and what the risks of ChatGPT are when being used in our organizations. Again, a very popular and timely topic right now uh we also asked shay to walk through an actual algorithm audit that he's performed to give a little bit of context uh, to what we're talking about or more context to what we're actually talking about here and then for those that are like listening and they go hey this is kind of cool i want to get into this if i have to audit ap one more time i'm gonna go nuts uh, and so this could be uh maybe an avenue to go down so we talked about that path the learning path uh, with that said, there are a lot of links in the show notes. Um, Shay mentions uh, all these that are that are there. So click through those, see what you think is best for you. If you like online courses, if you like books, etc., we kind of cover every possible way to learn a topic. Uh, and then we also talk about if someone's listening to this and they go, hey, I don't want to do that type of work, but I need to be able to identify those risks within the organization and then maybe bring in Shay and his team or, or an equivalent, um, what resources they should use just to understand AI risk a little bit more and AI ethics a little bit more, as well as maybe, again, if nothing else at the highest level, it's like, okay, I get it. This is kind of a big deal now. Who do I need to talk to in the organization to figure this out a little bit more and to what extent are we using AI in our decision making or that's making even the decisions for us. All right, here we go. All right, the one thing that um, it seems like we can't escape is chat GPT. It seems like everyone, regardless of position or profession that uh, is on LinkedIn or social media has some kind of chat. I saw three this morning, chat GPT something. So 
and doing what you do, what's the coolest thing you've seen with ChatGPT and what risks does ChatGPT pose potentially to an organization? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, ChatGPT, like I'm not uh, super surprised by it. Yeah. Like, to be honest, uh, there was a time, like I made a, I made one of those to sort of imitate some of my wife's writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a philosophy professor, uh, like five years ago. And so uh, I think what's happening now is that people have access to this technology and now they're like, wow. Now, of course, what I made in what chat GPT uh, is, is very, very different. And um, the coolest thing is that it is so powerful um, that uh, it is surprisingly human-like and it's like uh, a person who has a photographic memory and can just regurgitate uh, in a really coherent way, almost anything you ask it, that it's, of course, it's been trained on. Yeah. Um, and so I think that in terms of the coolest thing, it's not so much the coolest thing that it's done. It's what I know it can do in the sense that a lot of the intelligence that, that humans have and that gets attributed to humans is centers around language and how we use language. And so, uh, these large language, language models are, uh, tapping into that. So, uh, they are parrots in a way. They're just parroting back things that we uh, that we have said or have recorded in the past. However, that is that's how uh, children learn, and, that, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of what I'm saying to you right now is just uh, repeating a, a sort of an uh, amalgamation of words that I've heard in the past in a way that's sort of relevant and coherent for our discussion right now. That's basically what these m- language models do. So I know that there's a huge capacity for them to have a lot of sort of latent abilities that we haven't sort of tapped into yet. Regarding the risks, I think the risks are very clear. Like, so my whole my whole job is to focus on the risks. That being said, I, f- I feel like a lot of people are sort of uh, blowing it a little bit out of proportion. Uh, and I think about it a lot more practically. Like you're a company, you're gonna be using chat GPT in some of your processes, right? You're going to use it to write some copy for your website. You're going to use it to um, uh, bring up some fact that you might have forgotten and you don't want to Google it and you want some written text. Uh, You're going to use it in a chatbot. There are risks associated with that. And so uh, in my mind, the most sensible thing to do is to do a risk assessment of what could happen, right? The things that could happen are that it's wrong it gives you wrong information. We've seen that that happens. Okay. How do you mitigate that risk? There, there are checks and balances. What, how important is it if it gets it wrong? What situation have you used? Uh, what kind of, uh, guardrails can you put in place to ensure that people know that it could be wrong? For instance, if you're, if, if someone's using it in your organization, um, the, another thing is it could say, you know, foul things or, or hateful things or, uh, reproduce biases that we have. Uh, put up guardrails around that. How important is that? How can you detect that? How can you mitigate that? So in my mind, it's not so, it's not so complicated. It's just let's focus like you, I would do with any other sort of situation where I, I do a risk assessment and figure out what are the key things that could go wrong and how do we mitigate that? That's the way to approach it. It's not to throw it out or, or to raise an alarm bell and say, we can never use this or we need to ban this in schools the genie's out of the bottle. There's no way we're going to put it back in. We now need to learn how to live with it. Yeah. 
So chat GPT, maybe not as big of a risk as maybe it's being made out to be, but what would you say in terms of, and I, I don't know if there's, I can't imagine there's data to back this up. So somewhat anecdotally, the number of companies that are using AI to the extent that it poses a risk. And really what I'm getting at is how risky uh, is AI and how serious should we take it maybe outside of GPT? Yeah. Well, let me let me return to the large language models for a second because they are risky. Like uh, they are as risky as people claim. But w what I'm proposing is that that's not a useful statement. Mm -hmm. What's useful is how do we mitigate that risk? So that, that, just to clarify. Um, and in terms of AI and how many people are using it and how many use cases are risky, I think it there's a lot. And, and um, if you think about the sort of categories of risk that are associated with AI, uh, there's there's generally um, what I would call, in terms of big categories, what I would call ethical risk. Ethical I mean, risk is uh, the risk of the AI that you're using doing something that could potentially be unethical. So that would be unfair treatment. Maybe it's a biased algorithm. It could be uh, some misuse that some one of your employees misuses it or some end user misuses it in a way that could harm someone um, from ethical. And then there's a separate category of sort of uh, safety risk. So there might like it could um, uh, like autonomous vehicles is a clear example yeah, no. of that. Um, uh, and in some sense, uh, things like data privacy or uh, facial recognition uh, technologies where if it goes wrong, a person could be put in harm's way, whether that through law enforcement or being misidentified or something like that. So there's safety risks and there's these ethical risks. From the ethical risks, you get a lot of things like compliance risk, uh, liability risk, reputational risk. That's sort of, uh, th those are sort of secondary follow-ons from that ethical risk. And I would say that uh, most of the use cases of AI uh, have some, one of those dimensions of risk not all of them uh and if you want to know what it which ones are more risky you'd ask yourself you know is it processing personal data in some way like is it making a decision about a person if it is it's it's more likely than not to be in the high risk category you know it's because someone could get harmed if it's something that just organizes your files for you or you use it to uh, sift through material or to uh, for some efficiency sake, uh, it's lower risk, most likely. But uh, what's in the news is those high risk situations where uh, people's livelihood or or some some uh, some value that a person could get is being determined algorithmically. Um, I don't know if that's a good answer, but I think there are a lot of companies uh, that are using AI now, and almost all of them have some dimension of risk uh, that I mentioned. Yeah, no, I think it's a great answer, especially because I think AI is still so large to folks in terms of maybe wrapping their brain around it or understanding it. And the um, like, it's relatively abstract, which is why I like ChatGPT, because it makes it more concrete, I think, for people. Um, so I think being able to go and almost break it down a little bit for them and say, look, if it's relative to a person, it's probably high risk. If it's a more around efficiency, maybe, maybe not. Um, so I think there's some, I think that's really good guidance that you offered up. I'm curious though, just to like nail that down a little bit more. Do you have a um, an ethical AI 
scenario that is in the that's been in the news recently that where you could like kind of drive that home this is a use case where it went wrong yeah um well there there are a number of them uh just recently there there was uh uh misidentification using facial recognition uh uh of a person who uh, ended up getting arrested and stayed in jail for like two days <laughs> now whether that was due to um the algorithm being biased because it was a person of color whether it was due, uh, due to the algorithm being biased, I have no idea. Uh, but it clearly was, uh, um, uh, there was a disconnect between what the algorithm is capable of doing and the people who are using the algorithm and their understanding of how well it worked and how you should use it, right? Mm -hmm. Now, one that's really uh, apropos recently is that uh, hiring algorithms. Uh, it's apropos in the sense that uh, laws are now being passed in New York and California and the European Union that are uh, recognizing the fact that if you use an algorithm to decide who you hire or to help you decide who you hire, um, and many, many people are doing that. There are many companies, it's a big industry now. Um, there are risks involved. And if they're biased, for instance, that, that, that's a clear risk. Um, if they, uh, well, bias is the main one. But there are many, uh, many opportunity risks that happen uh, when you sort of feed someone into an algorithm and you don't give them, uh, you don't give them the, the full treatment, so to speak, of a human looking over their, their resume. And so we actually are performing audits uh, in, that, uh, in that sphere where we actually have to check the algorithms uh, and make sure that they, well, they adhere to the law, um, but that the, those risks are appropriately managed. Can you explain bias risk to the listeners? Um, to me, I'm not an AI audit expert such as yourself, but I do understand what that is. And it seems like that's like one of the bigger ones, if I could put it that way. Could you explain yeah. that? And then if you have a use case of where you've actually performed an audit, uh, like an algorithmic audit relative to bias or a bias audit, if that's the appropriate uh, language to use. Yep. If you could kind of walk us through that too, I think that might help drive it home. Yeah, no, that's a really good question because I think I, I take it for granted uh, that I know what it is and yeah. everybody knows what it is. <laughs> it is one of the, bias is one of the biggest issues that you see in the news. So a lot of the, in, uh, a lot of the worries about these algorithms is that they are biased. And so one example um, could be, uh, well, let's take the hiring algorithms because that makes a lot of sense. Uh, if you have, uh, a hiring algorithm you, what would you use it for so one way of using it is to to, to determine uh, what's the likelihood that this person who has applied for a job they submit a resume um, and, or maybe you look at their LinkedIn profile or something what's the likelihood that they're going to be successful at this job so one way that you would do that is you might compare you'd build a, a an AI or it's a, just a machine learning algorithm that compares um, that looks at a, a bunch of historical employees that you might have had. Maybe you're a really big company like Amazon. In fact, this happened with yeah. Amazon. And so uh, you look at your employees, let's say it's a software position, and uh, you say, all right, who really uh, succeeded as a software engineer in Amazon in the past? Well, because of uh, sort of historical societal biases, uh, there are more men as software engineers. Perhaps there's even internal company biases in terms of who gets promoted. And so whatever metric you use to determine this person was a successful hire, um, it turns out that it was skewed towards men. So the algorithm that was trained on this 
uh, did really crazy things. Uh, like it recognized when someone submitted a resume, it would score higher things like if you went to uh, uh, a regular university, so to speak, and it would score you lower if you went to like an all-female university. It figured out these weird biases. So um, the moral of the story, if you want to think about how algorithmic bias works, the basic idea is um, a per- different people will be treated differently based on some kind of protected category, whether it's their gender, their race, their socioeconomic status, their disability status. The algorithm will treat you different, give you a different score, a biased score, some systematically different score, uh, depending on you being in a, a particular class or not. And that sort of that is the definition of, of bias. And it also happens to be the definition of discrimination. And so that's the big worry is that algorithms don't treat everybody the same because they reproduce some of these historical biases. Yeah. And the Amazon hiring one, that's the example we've talked about on the show before. Um, and I, to their credit, they figured out what was going on and said, okay, we clearly have to change something like this. We can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned that one though. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not even sure if they even deploy. I feel like it was in development. They had been using it in the background and working on it. So I'm not convinced they even had used it uh, in production. Uh, so they, I think they had figured it out. Um, but it, of course, it got out that they had this algorithm and that was that was did not a good look. Yeah. And I'm not convinced that the PR team went, hey, we kind of have been using this, but we definitely shouldn't tell people that. So let's change the story a little bit. Um, yeah. But that's yep. just an opinion. Who knows? Um, yeah. Either way, is there? Could you walk us through then, maybe like an uh, an algo algorithmic audit that you performed yeah. at a high level? At high level, okay. So, um, I, I want to first distinguish between an algorithm, an algorithm. Uh, well, I say algorithm audit, okay. or a uh, an assessment. And okay. so, um, an audit really in in our language is a lot more akin to something like a like a, a financial audit or, or something that would be sort of for compliance uh, and the intended user is somebody else besides the, the person that hired us to do it, you know? So something more like assurance or, or audit. Uh, we've done a lot of assessments and, and we now are doing a lot of audits and the two of them look slightly different. So let me talk about the assessment, which I think is more probably more interesting uh, to, to your listeners. So uh, we've been hired by companies. Um, and so I'll give you an example of sort of face detection. Face uh, uh, face detection algorithm is used to, uh, as it sounds, detect whether there's a person's face in a, either a video feed or a camera. And uh, and that that information can be used to do, do something, like to tell whether somebody's there taking an exam, uh, like sort of remote proctoring sort of scenario. It could be used by an autonomous vehicle company to, to say like, oh, I don't want to run over that person. That is a person. Yeah. Um, and so we've worked with actually both of those kinds of companies. And the way uh, an audit would work is we, you know, typically it's for bias, like, a, you know, in terms of the technical audit. And so the way we do it in terms of these assessments is we would do a risk assessment first. And so what that is, is it's a real deep dive into the socio-technical system, like how is that face detection algorithm getting used? Who's who's using it? How do, if it's like a proctoring algorithm, how do professors, let's say, interpret the results? How do students understand how it's used, right? And what are the, then we kind of map that onto what are the potential downside? Like what are the harms that could happen, right? Somebody's accused of cheating when they're actually not cheating. 
maybe somebody's not caught and then it's unfair to everybody else because they didn't get caught cheating, right? And so these, what we call ethical impact assessments or risk assessments, um, some people call them algorithmic impact assessments. It doesn't really matter. What, what that tells us is what are the important metrics we need to measure? So like things like false positive, right? How often does it, uh, you know, uh, give a positive result when it's actually well, should have been negative uh, or false negative rates, those sorts of things. And then what we do is we do the technical testing. And so then we have to somehow say, what's the likelihood that that's going to happen? We have to collect data. Uh, we break uh, images up into different categories. Like it might be a bunch of images of women, bunch of images of men, different races, that sort of thing. Uh, different lighting levels, whatever. And so there's a, a range of technical testing. And then we come up with results and we present those results. The audit is slightly different where uh, for audit for compliance, we actually expect companies to do that. And so in the case of like uh, uh, hiring algorithms, which is the kind of audits we're doing a lot of now, the companies themselves have to do those risk assessments. They have to do those bias, that bias testing, and they have to present the results and make statements about that. And then in that case, we have a set of criteria which which they are submitting evidence against that criteria. And we essentially uh, verify that what they've submitted meets the criteria. And then we have a claims verification process that um, people who are so independent auditors out there would recognize this sort of process. Um, and, and that's slightly different, but it's still informed by our experience of having done these assessments because we know what good looks like and what right. is insufficient. And that's kind of an important uh, piece of the puzzle. So let's say some uh, someone's listening to the show and they go, this is cool. I want to get into this. I want to learn more. I want to become an algorithm auditor, maybe even. What's a, uh, a path for them to get there? And let's assume they have, let's even say no IT background, like they're not an IT auditor. Uh, let's just say, let's just say they're a CPA uh, or, or yep. a CIA even. Uh, what what is that? What could they do? Well, so that's a really good question. So the nice thing is that there are a lot of skills that are needed for this, and it's and almost by definition, it has to be multidisciplinary. And so um, auditors or like a CPA has a lot of the 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 groundwork already laid in terms of like knowing the professional standards, mm -hmm. knowing things like what what is good audit evidence, uh, what's what's uh, uh, sufficient appropriate evidence, and that sort of thing. Um, good at being good at documentation. Uh, that's really good groundwork. the th The things that you need to add on top of that are some uh, technical skills. And when I say technical skills, I'm talking more about awareness. Like you don't you don't have to necessarily be a Python programmer or, or do artificial intelligence. What you do need to know is to have some experience about how these systems work at a high level. Like what are neural networks? What are the kind of ways large language models are constructed? And what are common failure modes for those? Um, and then you also need a little bit of the socio-technical bit. And so the socio-technical bit is that uh, basically risk management, but applied to algorithmic systems or AI systems. And so people who have a risk background, which I think a lot of CPAs also have that sort of risk or even sometimes privacy um, background, that's really useful here because the idea is um, being able to A, identify risk in the process. So the process of the audit, like what's the likelihood that we're missing something? What's the likelihood that the company didn't 
do everything that they should have done? And can we catch that or, or come up with procedures to mitigate that? And then also in the subject matter, knowing uh, what sufficient looks like and what are what's likely to be problematic areas. And you don't need to be a programmer to do that. And, and so if you're looking for a path forward, uh, the best way to do it is to, is to um, educate yourself by like joining organizations. Like there's an organization called For Humanity, which is great. They, they focus on algorithmic auditing and they train auditors. Um, it's For Humanity, I think dot center is the, is the website. And I'm a fellow at For Humanity uh, f- from early on. Um, and I, and I contribute because it, I need that sort of organization to come up with standards for, for algorithmic auditing and they offer courses and there are a number of other courses, but I think the first step in this journey is to, uh, just raise awareness, get, get yourself a higher level of awareness of the industry and, and what's happening in the industry. And that could be done, um, by a nice, easy Google search. Okay. And we'll add the for humanity link to the show notes so people can access that quickly or easily. What you mentioned other resources or courses, what else is out there that people can look into? Yeah. Um, so one thing, so there's a number of, so if you're slightly more technically minded, like if you, if you're good at analytics, let's say, um, there are great sort of certificate programs. Like uh, I've taken some at Stanford that were really good that uh, that have uh, give you a great background in in sort of broad machine learning and machine learning it really is the the thing that m- is most risky and that people focus on the most um, and then of course edX and Coursera have uh, you know it didn't used to be but now there are, are quite a few um, uh, AI ethics and AI ethics is sort of a broad uh, umbrella for some of this work uh, but they also have good uh, programming courses or um, courses that will sort of get your feet wet and give you that background knowledge. We also offer courses at Babel. Uh, uh, we have a research and education division called the Algorithmic Bias Lab, where we get grants to do research and we offer courses that are very kind of t- specific tailor, uh, tailored to this. But there are many, many ways. And I think it's the it's really that technical, adding that little bit of technical plus the risk, right. that's the key, the magic ingredient. And you can get that uh, a lot of places. Okay. Similarly, let's say someone is listening and they go, all right, I don't want to get into the details of, of that, but I do need to be aware of it within my organization so that I can identify it and determine if uh, we should take a look at it. Um, or maybe uh, Shay bring you in and your folks come in and, and help them with that. What do they need to know? Is there like a resource like, uh, hey, here's this like two, three hour training thing that would be good for them that you're aware of that they could just have some some high level understanding to at least say, yeah, I think we should look at this more. Um, yeah, th- that's a really good question. Uh, there are those kind of resources. So th- for instance, there, uh, there are courses offered, um, I believe it's from NYU that have kind of a broad uh, AI ethics, uh, courses, awareness courses. And I can give you some links. I can find some that we can maybe link to the show notes. Okay. Um, but the, the main thing that I would focus on is just awareness of the risks. Like, so if you, if you were to look up AI ethics, it sounds like ethics is, uh, it's not really about ethics. It's mostly about risk. And so that's, that's the thing you'd want to look for is like a very broad AI ethics kind of curriculum. 
a, a short course, and there are several. Uh, and what they're going to show you is what is the landscape of things that could go wrong, which is kind of ideally what you want. Because then you say, hey, wait a second, we use one of those in our company. Are, is, could that happen here? And that kind of awareness is the, that's the ground level. And that is approachable for someone, even if they don't want to go very deep. Okay. So AI ethics would be kind of the term if, if someone's like, yeah, let me just AI ethics certification or AI ethics course or AI ethics book or, you know, however they like to learn and consume information. That's, those are the key words that they should look for. Abs absolutely. And there are okay. some certifications through a company called CertNexus that does a, cert, a sort of a high level certification for this. So there's a really good book by Reed Blackman um, about uh, that's really business focused uh, about AI ethics in business. Um, and those those are two good resources as well. Okay, we'll we'll link those in the um, show notes as well. So let's say now um, again we're kind of in the ears and brains of our fellow internal audit uh, folks, and they go, "All right, where do I need to start? Who would they? Who? What's like the job title within an organization that they could go talk to that would that would understand where these models are sitting or these algorithms are sitting?" and kind of have that maybe high level discussion. Is that a CTO, a CIO, a CDO? And, and based on the examples I gave, it's probably obviously going to be different, but who should they kind of look for to talk to? So that's a really good question. This is the crux of the problem for a lot of <laughs> these organizations is that there isn't typically a central repository, either for models like uh, algorithms that might be used with a company or for uh, accountability in terms of whose job description is it to worry about this. Um, I would say that uh, a, a chief technical officer uh, or a chief, if you have a chief information officer or chief data officer, those those people are a good place to start. The likelihood that they have a high level awareness of this is not super high and it depends on the kind of organization. A lot of what I see happening when I engage with companies is that it comes at the product level. And so you'll have a product owner, someone who owns that uh, owns that particular product in the organization, um, whether it's sort of uh, internal, uh, external product or if there's some sort of internal uh, project that's happening. Um, and they will have an awareness of, oh, wait a second, this is, there are these laws out there or there are these lawsuits or there are these incidences that come from this risk. And they're the ones who have the awareness first. Um, and so th that's not a satisfactory answer because it's hard and it does take a lot. Even even really well-organized organizations are struggling to um, get a hold of this. Now, the one exception is um, in financial services because they have model risk management. And the, the model risk management framework, if you're thinking um, as an internal auditor about, do I have any examples of ways in which we can kind of manage this and maybe tap into monitoring what's going on here, that's those frameworks are really well suited towards uh, dealing with this uh, in terms of the way it's structured in, uh, in terms of independence and accountability. Um, however, there does have to be some modification. So getting that education into what are the unique risks that AI could pose separate from just some financial model that we might be using in our processes or in our business. Uh, if you add on that on top of model risk management, it actually becomes a pretty powerful tool. Okay. Very enlightening. Always appreciate the practical examples when people can give those the thought leadership, uh, as well as like resources of go check this thing out, you know, 
read this book, go to this website, et cetera. So I really appreciate that. I'm sure the listeners do too. Um, with that said, what do you want to leave the listeners with? Um, well, I think, I think the main thing, if, if I can leave anything, well, actually, can I have two? Yeah. All right. Let hey, me, it's let your me show, have man. Two. I just asked the questions. All right. I'm going to do, t- I'm going to have two. So what the first one is, uh, just raise the awareness of, uh, the, the risks of automated systems. Um, I think that, and, and, uh, you know, as internal auditors, which if most of your network or your listeners are internal auditors, I think that we're going to see a lot more reliance on, uh, that function, uh, to sort of, to take on some, some of the role in managing those risks. Um, and so raise, get, raise some awareness that this might, this is coming, uh, is one goal that I'd like to see. One thing I'd like to leave with the other is, Hey, there's a really cool field out there called algorithm auditing that it's emerging and it's going to, and it's going to start exploding very soon with all of these regulations and that people who have, have an auditing background are, are very well equipped to step into this with sort of minimal, um, upskilling. And so if people are thinking about, uh, lateral moves or, or, or career opportunities, keep your eyes open for this sort of thing, because I think there, there's a, a huge potential there. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.